My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, and welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're able to join us this morning. Uh, two quick announcements before we jump into the lesson today. So first, happy birthday to Matt Ayers. So congratulations on turning 59. Uh, you don't look a day over 49, so that's really, really impressive work there. Uh, hope today is a blessed one for you. And uh, second, congratulations to Brittany and Danus Janika on the birth of their son, Theo, last Sunday. So congrats to them. Uh, super pumped about that. We've been praying for that pregnancy for quite some time now and uh, thrilled that Theo's here and that you guys are doing well. Uh, I will say that uh, Jessica Miller has set up a meal train, uh, and if you don't know what a meal train is, like, w welcome to the 2000s, I guess. Um, but uh, she set up a meal train to help with meals for the next few weeks for them, uh, so I'll be uh, sending a link out with that. Uh, she's already put it in the Sunday School Facebook group, so be sure to sign up and uh, lean in and engage and assist there as we can. Uh, we'd love to show them uh, part of our what it looks like to be family. So be good. All right, so welcome to those of you that are with us live this morning, and welcome to those of you that are listening later on. Uh, several folks to greet this morning, so let's see. We've got uh, Jessica Miller, and uh, the Millers are there. Uh, Julie's in our bedroom. Barry's in two different languages this morning. So good morning, Barry. Uh, so we've got the McClure's, Albert's here, the uh, Mitch and Sherry Johnson are there in room 206. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, so Amy V, we've got the Barbers. What kind of Mark Jim teaching will leave on us? Uh, hopefully, hopefully a biblical one. Uh, the Greggs, my friends from North Carolina. Good morning, guys. And uh, let's see, Chris and Daniel. Hey, guys, good morning. And then the Ayers. Oh, so you, you got to hear my joke. So wonderful. Good, good, good. And uh, Chandelier's with us this morning. So good morning, guys. Good. Uh, it's glad to have you guys with us. And uh, so like we do each morning, we'll read a text of Mark and then jump in and take a look at that specific text. So this morning we're in Mark chapter 11. Uh, if you haven't already gotten your handout, I would encourage you to go to OurSundaySchool.com and grab your handout. So it's the same handout as we had last week. Uh, it's just the second half of it. So mine's filled out with some stuff. But uh, you're going to have to get a bigger room, Jessica. So we've got the McGarveys there as well. And Cheryl's here this morning. Good morning. But uh, I will tell you, in addition to a copy of Mark, you probably want a copy of the entire Bible today. We'll be uh, jumping around a little bit. Uh, we'll be in the Psalms and maybe some other spots. But uh, let's start with our question that we ask each week. What is God doing in you through the portion, through his word, from the portion of Mark that we have studied so far? So what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we have studied so far? I continue to like this question. It helps us not be Pharisees. We get enough Pharisees studying the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we don't want to become them ourselves. So just as a uh, quick review, uh, actually, let's read through Mark chapter 11, and then we'll come back and review uh, where we were last week. And we'll jump in, Lord willing, starting at verse 7 this week. All right. Mark chapter 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, 
Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door standing in the outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing, untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And on the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him. For they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who also is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. And they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? And Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Amen. So that's Mark chapter 11. So hey, good morning to uh, Cheryl, to Miss Nancy Miller from Oak Ridge this morning, to Julia Gregg, good morning. Uh, Miss Hopper's here this morning. Hey, uh, Dave Barber is speaking in unknown tongues. Um, it looks like uh, Arabic. That's my guess. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. Uh, and then Brittany's here. Hey, good morning. Congratulations. We're so thrilled that Theo is here. 
uh, and born on a Sunday. All the special cool kids are born on Sundays. I was born on a Sunday. Um, fun stuff there. So good, 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 good. We are so thrilled and happy with you guys and uh, rejoicing that all that went well. And uh, just, just it's a good day. It's a good week. So we're thrilled Theo is here. All right, so in Mark chapter 11, we just read through Mark chapter 11 as a quick review. Last week, we started uh, looking at Mark 11, and we noticed that there were, from Mark 11 to Mark 16, it's really just the space of about a week uh, chronologically. And Mark, at the beginning of his gospel, doesn't make the statement that Luke does, that I'm going to put things in order. So, so Mark may have been combining several Passover-type events into uh, this narrative, this part of the narrative. He might not have, but I'm not, not going to uh, be upset either way. Uh, but we know what, what the Holy Spirit has inspired here is good and right and true uh, and accurate, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, and then we started looking at verse 1 when they drew near to Jerusalem. So as you would draw near to Jerusalem, especially for the Passover, you would sing the Psalms of Ascent. Uh, these are Psalms uh, 120 through 134. And uh, we looked at some of the themes of some of those last week. Uh, and we'll, we'll actually draw back to that again in today's text. So just quick review. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage, so this is the place uh, near to Jerusalem and Bethany. Uh, so if we check out a map real quick, we'll notice that Jerusalem here is toward the southern end of this map. Uh, Bethany is just to the south of Jerusalem here. I'm sorry, just to the um, uh, east of Jerusalem here. Uh, it's an Aramaic response to Barry's good deal. Yeah, Google Translate helps us all. That's right. Uh, so uh, Bethphage, we actually don't know where it was. It's one of the unknown spots in biblical archaeology. And uh, so th this is one of the things I think is still beautiful about learning about God's Word is that we are still discovering new things that back up and prove that what was written in our, in our uh, canon is true. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So to Bethphage and Bethany uh, at the Mount of Olives, so this is very uh, right on the, the edge. You can see into Jerusalem here. Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, so he gives them four imperatives here, go uh, to the village in front of you immediately. Uh, as you enter, uh, it, you will find a colt uh, tied on which no man has ever sat. And so we, we looked last week at these, started to, these fulfilled prophecies. And I, I want to end today with a conversation around how much of this was really transparent to people that were there watching and how much of this was under the surface. And we'll, we'll kind of talk through what some, some likely logical implications of this are. So a cult tide on which no one has ever sat. We looked at the Mishnah last week. Uh, we saw that uh, in one of the sections, the Mishnah talks about the, the king's horse. Nobody else sits on the king's horse. So this would have been a, a head nod to the practices of the day that there was something special about Jesus. He's, he's fulfilling the prophecies in Genesis 49 and Zechariah 9 by uh, riding in on a colt, but on one that no one's ever sat on, this is uh, almost like, I don't want to say pop culture, but this would have been uh, commonly held beliefs of the day. So Jesus tells him to untie it and bring it uh, to him. So if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. And then in verse 4, we see, and I just want to stop and rejoice about this again, we see this really beautiful example of obedience. It's like, yeah, all right, good job, guys. You, you did it. 
Um, I kind of feel like Buddy the Elf here when he finds the world's best cup of coffee, right? It's like, yeah, you, you, like you've been with him for three years now. You got this one right. Good job. So, so they went on their way and found a colt tied uh, at the door outside of the street, uh, and they untied it, right? So they, they're following exactly what Jesus tells them to do, verse 5. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing? Untying the colt. Which, at that point in time, you know, if somebody, if somebody gives you directions, and in those directions they say, you know, if anybody says these words to you, here's the answer. And then they hear these words, I kind of got to wonder, like, what was going through their head there for just a second, right? It was like, wow, Jesus knew not only what we were going to find, he knew the question somebody was going to ask us, and he gave us the answer. Wow, that's pretty awesome. And I would argue that that's just one more example of Jesus knows the questions we're going to be asked, and he gives us the answer so that we can be prepared to give those an answer for the hope that's in us. Um, it's a beautiful thing, right? This is Jesus models this for the disciples, and then there's this larger beautiful principle at play that he's letting us see very clearly in the epistles. All right, so verse 6, And they told them, uh, they, the two disciples, told them, the people standing around, uh, what Jesus had said. And they, the people standing around, let them go, which is great. And then they brought the cult to Jesus. So this is where we ended last week. They brought the cult to Jesus. So Jesus has the cult now. It's, it's with him. And what else do they do? They threw their cloaks on it. And you might be thinking, all right, that's kind of weird, but sure, let's keep going. They threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it, right? So he's now on this cult. All right, so then, and many spread their cloaks on the road. You're like, well, what's a cloak? All right, cloaks are your garment that you're wearing. It's kind of your outer garment. So they, they spread their cloaks on the road, and you might be thinking, what is going on here, right? And, and I will tell you that, Whenever we as 21st century American believers look at the text and say, like it feels like there's something else going on here. Great. That's a wonderful time to look at the text and specifically looking at your text to see if there are any references to something that might be going on in the Old Testament that could perhaps help us understand what is going on here, right? So if, if you look at, so I've gotten using the ESV, and if I look at uh, Mark eleven eight, there's a little superscript uh, letter there, and it says, uh, and many spread, and there's a letter N, and it says 2 Kings 9, 13. And you're like, what does 2 Kings 9, 13 have to do with this? Well, let's go find out. So let's go to 2 Kings. Chapter 9. I always love books like Kings because it's super simple to remember what they're about. Right? It's about the Kings. Yeah. Second Kings 9, 13. So this is uh, Jehu is being anointed king of Israel. Um, let's see. Let's start verse 11. Then Jehu came out to the servants of his master. Uh, they said to him, Is all well? Why did this mad fellow come talk to you? And he said to them, You know the fellow and his talk. And they said, That's not true. Tell us now. And he said, Thus and, though, thus and so he spoke to me, saying, Thus says the Lord, I anoint you king over Israel. So you got a crazy prophet here that's engaging. Verse 13, and here's, the, here's what the people did in response to hearing Jehu is king over Israel. Then in haste every man of them took his garment and put it under him on the bare steps, and they blew the trumpet and proclaimed, 
Jehu is king. And you might be thinking, what's that got to do with Mark 11? Well, in Mark 11, we saw these folks uh, put their garments, their cloaks, underneath where Jesus was going to go. Another head nod that Jesus is king, right? So there's a reason they were doing this because they had seen it done in their Old Testament, in their Bible. So 2 Kings 9.13 is a beautiful thing, right? So now you know why they put the cloaks in the road because they saw this done in the Old Testament for Jehu. Uh, so they put their cloaks uh, on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And you're like, well, maybe, maybe you didn't have a lot of clothes. Maybe you needed to go buy something else. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff going on here. So verse 9, And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And I, I will tell you, if you look again at the references in your Bible, if you look at verse 9, Mark eleven nine, you'll see next to the word Hosanna, it says, see Psalm one eighteen twenty five, And then in parentheses, H-E-B. You might be thinking, like, what in the world is that about? Well, <clears throat> Psalm 118.25, we're actually going to read uh, all of Psalm 118 today. But uh, verse 25 in Hebrew, we'll get to that when we get to verse 25, when we read it here in just a second. But uh, it is very, very similar in sound to what is going on here in Mark chapter 11. So let's go to Psalm chapter uh, 118. Psalm 118. We'll take a look at this psalm. Ah, the landers are late, but they're here. Fantastic. Welcome, Josh. You get credit. <laughs> All right, so Psalm 118. We're trying to figure out what Hosanna is about. So, uh, O give... Sorry, I bumped the mic. Uh, o give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like as a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone if your spidey sense is going off here, it should be. 
This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us behind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. This is Psalm 118. This is a beautiful psalm. And if you notice that there was some language that was directed toward the Messiah, then you picked up on what is going on here. Like this is a beautiful, beautiful psalm that these people, the disciples and this very small group, this is not a, a large crowd as Mark describes in other places. This would have been a small group of people. Uh, that these people were shouting about. So there was, there was some recognition, either in this antiphonal psalm where some group sings and then some other group sings back at them. And if you notice, the, whenever you see these psalms, look, look at verse Psalm 118, 1 through 3, where the second line of the verse is the same all the way through. This is something that the congregation would have sung back to another part, perhaps the priest of the Levites singing. So if we look back at Mark 11, verse 9, it starts to get pretty interesting here. So, and those who went before and those who followed. So this is the, these are the people that Jesus has picked up along the way. Uh, and, and I would argue that somebody that we probably think was in this group was Bartimaeus, which is pretty awesome, right? So what's one of the first things that he gets to see? Well, he, he gets to see Jesus going into Jerusalem and he gets to hear these psalms being shouted out and these echoes of Hebrew. Now, they followed and were shouting Hosanna. I'm not going to get into all kinds of crazy Hebrew here, but the Hebrew for, if you look at verse Psalm 118.25, the Hebrew for save us we pray sounds like the word Hosanna. So it's all this kind of wrapped up into one word. So they're shouting, save us, we pray. Save us, we pray. And if you look at the definition, it's in your handout. Uh, it says, oh, save, which is why we draw this from this text in Psalm 118. So they said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> That's Psalm 118, verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I think it's interesting that the next line in that verse is we bless you from the house of the Lord. And where does Jesus go next? He goes to the house of the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. So blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Then verse 10 in Mark 11, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Do you see kingdom language in Psalm 118? Now, it has always fascinated me the things that people ran up to Jesus and said to him. And sometimes he would affirm, and sometimes he would remain quiet, and sometimes he would just outright rebuke. 
But when Bartimaeus said, you're the son of David, Jesus did not rebuke him. He did not correct him. He let it stand because it was true. And the crowd here, when they cry out, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Jesus doesn't correct them. He doesn't rebuke them because it's true. And then they end with Hosanna in the highest. This idea of it's Hosanna in the heavens, like singing this out from the heavens. So let's, let's stop and think for just a second here. So I, I, have, I have made my view on this quite known at this point. So I think Jesus, from his, um, uh, from his direction to go get the cult, from his sitting on his direction to go get a cult that nobody's ever sat on before, from the allowance of the, the cloaks spread out before that he will walk on, from his not rebuking the crowd about singing out Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, from his not rebuking the crowd about he's the son of David. Um, these are all, it, in individual parts, very small head nods to who Jesus really is. In aggregate, this is speaking pretty clearly. But notice what doesn't happen right here. What doesn't happen right here are the scribes and the Pharisees running up to him and saying, you're claiming to be the Messiah. And also what doesn't happen is the scribes and the Pharisees at the trial of Jesus that we'll get to, I don't know, maybe in a year, um, they don't bring these charges up against, they don't bring this event up as charges against him. So this and I will, so the, we don't see any action from the scribes and the Pharisees. We don't see any charges brought up at the trial. And we don't see the Romans coming up saying, no, no, there's only one king. You don't get to, you don't get to usurp the king's authority here. Because you, if there was a few things that you didn't do in, in Rome, you didn't declare yourself to be king. Like this was bad. <laughs> the Romans took this very seriously. So, so this was under the surface enough that nobody immediately saw this as a declaration of messiahship, a declaration of kingship, a declaration, a declaration of deity, a declaration of anything else. But when they looked back, and perhaps you've had this experience in your life where you noticed, like, that's neat, that's neat, that's neat. And then you get to the end of a thing and you look back and you go, oh. Like all of that put together, now it makes a lot of sense, right? And, and I, would, I would argue that I experience this a lot watching movies, right? You watch a movie like some kind of a mystery movie where there's a, there's a whodunit at the end and then you get to the end and you're like, oh, I missed those 47 clues. Yeah, that's the, that's the general experience of most people in the Bible, of missing the clues that God is laying out to declare who he is, who his son is, and what the spirit is doing in the world. And I would also argue that the best example of this in all of literature or storytelling is the Bible itself. Because God starts dropping clues literally from day one about what is going to happen and the order in which things are going to happen and who is going to do it and who is going to rule and reign over it. It's a beautiful story. I hope you know it. But it's one of the reasons that we look at all these minute details as we go through the Bible to help see the larger pattern that God uses, which is little drops of signals all the way through 
so that when we look back, we can see what God was doing. And I think that's what's going on here with Jesus's entry into Jerusalem. So we've got one more verse in this text. Uh, and let's take a look at verse 11. Yes, that is a great call for a thousand generations. Uh, uh, Cheryl, I, I like that. That's a good one. All right, so verse 11. So, and he entered Jerusalem. This is the still the same day. So he enters Jerusalem and he went into the temple. Now, I'll, I'll tell you, when you see the word temple in the Bible, it, it can be used a couple of different ways. Um, it, and if you look at the definition here, it says a sacred place, right? It can be used as a sacred place. It can also be used as the entire precinct of the temple. So it can be a, um, <laughs> that's a t-shirt. I hope you know it. Yes, that's a good line, isn't it? We should use that. Uh, but this temple, this word temple can be the actual building itself or the whole area around the temple. It was kind of like if you say, uh, like for, for people that I don't know that live substantially far away from where I live, I don't say I live in Hickson, Tennessee. I generally say I live in Chattanooga because nobody knows where Hickson is, right? But Chattanooga, it's it's pretty close, right? And technically, I'm I'm in Chattanooga. I play pay Chattanooga taxes, so the city believes I'm in Chattanooga, even though the, like the town I'm in is Hickson. So when you see this word temple, it can mean like the actual temple building itself, or it can mean like the whole temple grounds itself. Um, so they, he went, entered and went into Jerusalem. Hey, good morning, Miss Frost. It's good to have you this morning. Uh, he went into Jerusalem and went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything. Now, we know what happens next, the next day, right? He goes in and he sets things straight. He, uh, we see this in other gospels as well, but there is action that Jesus takes to restore the temple to what it is supposed to be about, the worship of God, not putting restrictions in place. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks when we get there. So we looked around at everything. Now, th this is not looking around like a man would look around to see, oh, like this is, oh, that's there. And this is, there. this is not Jesus learning. This is Jesus taking inventory because Jesus is about to act. He's about to do something, to set something straight. So when God comes looking around, what's he see? Well, he sees plenty of mess here that he needs to fix. And one of the things that I love about my Jesus is he just doesn't leave messes lying around. He's just going to fix it. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. He may not do it on my timetable, but he's going to do it. So he looks around at everything, and as it was already late, it was late in the day, uh, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So they, they departed back out just a little ways. They stayed the night at Bethany, very likely at Lazarus's house, or what was Lazarus's house, or what was again Lazarus's house, right? <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, with the twelve. So they, they go in, they take a look, they come back out, and uh, you might be thinking, so what is, what's that about? Because I don't read that in Matthew or Luke's gospel. I read in Matthew or Luke's gospel, he rides up on the temple and he immediately goes and he sets it straight. Well, Matthew and Luke didn't say immediately. That's Mark's word. And uh, Luke said he put things in order, but he didn't say he wrote everything down. One of the gospel writers actually said they didn't write everything down. And I'm while, you know, the natural man curiosity in me would like to know these things, you know, I like the idea that I can in my lifetime read the Bible a few times. Because if they'd written everything down Jesus ever did, 
we would not be able to read the whole Bible. It would be too long, right? You would spend your entire life just recounting, well, he went to sleep, and then he woke up, and then he ate this, and then he talked to, I mean, it's just good gracious, right? I'm grateful that the, the divine editor of the scripture, the Holy Spirit, uh, chose to limit what we know about God to only the things that we need to know about God. So uh, just wanted to make sure you understand here that Mark's gospel does not contradict Matthew or Luke. He simply adds something that wasn't in the other two gospels. And, and I will tell you, there's not a lot of these where Mark adds something that Matthew and Luke don't have. So I like to draw attention to them just so we're aware, hey, this is something special and unique in Mark's gospel. All right, so it's not a contradiction, it's just additional context for his actions. I would argue once we understand what Jesus did the day before, his actions the next day make a whole lot more sense. Uh, oh, I would argue, also argue, and we'll talk about this when we get to it, but his actions as they relate to the fig tree are directly related to what he's doing with the temple and the Pharisees and Israel as a whole. So we'll give you a little preview there. So uh, verses 1 through 11, we got through those. Let's talk about applications and personalizations. Just a few real quick. So application number one, what's the point? Well, Jesus is the Messiah, right? So don't miss that. <laughs> Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, so what do we do with that? Uh, personalization number one, we'll repent from following anybody else and believe, right? There are plenty of opportunities for us to follow false messiahs. And Jesus himself actually tells us that false messiahs will pop up claiming to be the Christ, but we should not be following those. We have written divine inspired truth that tells us the Messiah has already come and his name is Jesus. So Jesus is the Messiah. So repent from following anybody else and believe. Uh, what's the point number two? Jesus should be obeyed, right? Don't miss the fact that those disciples, those two disciples went in and they obeyed. So what do we do with that? We should collectively obey, not just in individual obedience, but when we see collective commands from the Bible, we should collectively obey. Uh, I love that Jesus sent him in a pair. It wasn't just a one-person job. One person could have actually done that, but he sent two. Because by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. He's setting himself up for evidence that can be proved later on. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So application number three, Jesus is the Savior, right? Oh, save us. It's a beautiful thing. Um, save us, we pray, O oh Lord. It's a beautiful prayer. So what, what do we do with that? Well, I would say declare him to be the Savior. Hosanna. <laughs> Hosanna. It's a beautiful word to say in recognition of who Jesus actually is. And then application number four, uh, Jesus still has... Um, the Father's will to complete. So he's not done with everything at this point. Um, he, he, Jesus knows because he has told people several times, and we know this because he's told people several times about miracles that he's done. Don't go tell anybody about this. The hour has not yet come, right? It's not time for me to be fully revealed for who I am yet. That's going to happen. Don't worry. That's going to happen. We're going to check that box. But the hour isn't the hour that he rides into Jerusalem. So he still has the Father's will to complete. So this is not a, a full unveiling of who he is, but rather enough of an unveiling so that when the disciples look back, they got it. 
they fully understand. So what do we what do we do with that? Well, I would say learn and mimic our king's subtlety. Like we don't have to make everything fully clearly plain all the time. It's okay to not share everything with everybody all the time. Even when we are witnessing with people, right? Somebody says, they'll ask some off-the-wall question about the Bible. Well, how do you prove this or this or this? And That's just a red herring, guys. We can go chase it if you want, but it distracts from the truth of the gospel that this person in front of you, if they're a pagan, is about to go to hell should they die. They'll spend an eternity separated from God. And that is the real issue, that God desires to have a relationship with us today and forever. And answering some obscure Bible question very likely is not going to assist us in helping this person in front of us see that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the King. And He is the one whose sacrifice paid for our sin. And, and I would argue exhibit A in this is Jesus himself. When somebody runs up to him and asks him an obscure Bible question, he doesn't get trapped into chasing something of no significance. He immediately turns the conversation to what that person needs to hear. And we need to have that level of subtlety and awareness and quite frankly, lack of arrogance. Hi, my name's Jim. I'm guilty here of not trying to show off our Bible knowledge or our Bible skill or our whatever you want to say, but rather address the fact that this person needs Christ. So lots of application, lots of personalization. I really enjoy this particular text. So next week, uh, Lord willing, we'll start preparing for uh, Mark eleven twelve, and uh, we'll go until we're finished. So your homework next week is praying for helping and understanding Mark hearing Mark multiple times, thinking about, talking about, sharing, and then inviting um, others to join us because this is a beautiful story to tell. Uh, I will remind us that the meal train for the Jonicas is out there, so please again sign up. Uh, I'll put the link in the comments here in a minute. Uh, or actually, if somebody wanted to do that, that'd be cool. I don't know who's like skilled enough to do that, but um, like all of you are skilled enough to do that, but that's cool. And uh, we'll end with our prayer time. So uh, if you have any prayer requests, and I know we have several, uh, please, I'd encourage you to write those in the comments and uh, lean in, engage, and pray with some, for somebody that's not with you. And then as you are able, go to a campus or the Facebook or YouTube or the website later today and worship. Worship this one who is the Messiah. Worship this one who is worthy of being obeyed. Worship this one who is our Savior, who we can say truthfully to, save us, we pray, O Lord, Hosanna. And worship this one who is so incredibly wise in the way in which he reveals himself to all who need him. So I love you guys. I miss you guys. I'm praying for you every day. Looking forward to the day, and we're getting closer every day where we can all be back in person, and I, I, we are so looking forward to that. Hopefully that will be sooner rather than later. Love you guys. Thanks for engaging, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.